There is no wrong question. I may, may laugh at it, but it's not wrong <laughs> by any means. My family knows that I have uh, a bizarre, sarcastic, facetious sense of humor uh, on most days. Um, so let's get into this. But first, I am Drianki. She's right. That's my name. Um, I'm in private practice, a psychologist in Royal Oak. And I primarily work with kids as young as seven in high, and all the way through high school, a lot of ADHDers. I do have some kids on the spectrum, so I work with ADASD as well. That's not necessarily my wheelhouse, but I do work with kids with that. Um, I have adults that I work with. Guess what they have? ADHD. So I kind of have an experience with it. Um, and I think about my dad a little bit. And I know there was probably some magic in him as well, because I've got some magic. And I know my brother has some magic <laughs> and my sister has some magic. So again, it flows through genetics. Um, but here's the scoop. No neurodiverse. That's on, right? <laughs> One, one, two, three. Yeah, it's not on. I mean, you're doing great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I probably don't need the microphone. Either. Yeah, uh, most cases I don't need a microphone. Says it's on. I like it better now. <laughs> you like what? Well, I didn't have a microphone on anyway, so this is fine. If I don't have to lug this thing around, I don't. Have to I've got one of those voices anyway, so it's irritating and fun. Well, we okay? Yeah. You like live action? <laughs> We're so professional here, right? You know. Should I have it on a stick? <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I'm in private practice. Um, I have been in private practice since 2011. Yes, you're thinking that's not that long. It's not. I was a toy salesman for 17 years. Um, so when I left Michigan State such a long time ago, I did graduate with a psychology degree. I wanted to go to the University of Oregon to do my graduate work in psychology, but life is life and you don't have money, you can't go to school. So you take a break and you find life does these things and it paralleled what I wanted to do because selling to buyers was psychological, but it was also my style. It was, you know, it was getting to know what they needed, having conversations and things like that. And that's how I conduct my therapy. Um, I take it very seriously. But my humor is my humor. Um, and I believe that my experience with psychologists was kind of dry. It was like chewing on sandpaper to me. So, and especially dealing with kids, I have to be conversational. I, I'm not going to sit there and go, how do you feel today? And they're like, dude, I can barely make, I don't understand my test. But you're asking about my feelings right now? Doesn't. So I know a lot about a lot of things. Luckily, I know Star Wars and Star Trek. Legos, comic books, and DC, and Marvel. I know them all, but that's me. But it allows me to connect with my clients, and that's important. Um, when I was talking about neurodivergency, it's funny because a lot of people think, well, here, let me put it this way. We're all neurodivergent. No one is the same. Because your experience right now, you're seeing me, you're seeing me, your experience is different just because of your past experiences. And also physically, you see the world differently. That's the way it works. So we're all neurodivergent. My brother and I are very much alike, but we're very different. 
he got me into science fiction and I'll never ever regret it. <laughs> but the thing is, when I go through this, you have to understand, um, there is a term now, and I don't mind it, but it helps people understand is masking. Um, I believe it's assimilation and ad adaptation more than it's masking. Because it's later on in life, now that we've given it a term, many adults go, yeah, it was what I was doing was masking myself. But what I see a lot of ADHDers doing, a lot of neurodivergence is, is they adapt. They, they adapt to things around them. ASD, people on the spectrum, often play along with the story in front of them because they don't know how to interact with the story. So they are in it, but they're outside of it. Um, ADHDers just make a wreck of the story and then try to put it in a pile. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But again, with ADHD, as I talk through this, it's, it varies so, so much. And it is, so I do camps with boys and girls with ADHD during the summer. Sometimes I have 15, sometimes I have 20, sometimes I have 18. And when I have those, I get to experience the, the, the idea that ADHDers uh, are wonderful, but they can't stand other ADHDers on <laughs> That's the truth. Now, they'll keep it in, they'll keep it wrapped, but I'm telling you, if you have ADHD and you meet another ADHDer, you're like, oh, that's awesome. And then like 10 minutes later, they say something. They're not like me. They're not. They're going to be different. They're going to express it differently. Um, so my title is this. Yes, an ADHD neurodivergent toolbox lesson, how to make a peanut butter sandwich and other mysteries, semi-explain. I say semi because I'm still learning. I meet new, new people all the time and I find new things out. What I also learned from my clients is the way that they handle their life. So I can either help another ADHD possibly say, here's a suggestion I know another ADHD does this. Um, and I'm glad you're all here because this is what it takes. It takes support. It takes connection. If your kids are neurodivergent, if they have ADHD, they're on the spectrum. But I also look at neurodivergence, and again, we group together. If you're suffering from higher levels of anxiety or higher levels of depression, um, those can be grouped into two. So neurodivergent is a catchphrase right now to me, but it helps catch people. <laughs> and I don't mind because then they want to know. So sometimes you have to follow the terminology, like triggers. Oh my gosh, two years ago, I was losing my mind with every, it triggered me, it triggered me, it triggered me, it triggered me. It triggered me. Like, do you even know what you're saying? And that's an important thing too, neurodivergent. When you have that term in your head, you have to understand that the person across from you is neurodivergent from you. So that way you have an understanding and empathy with people around you. Because our experiences, again, we are in the same room right now. You're not sweating as much as I am. I'm a little <laughs> nervous right now and my latte is kicking in. <laughs> so I'm feeling it a little bit different than you are. Again, where I go through this whole thing, if I can give one message to you all, whether you work with people who are neurodivergent, or you have children, whether you yourself are neurodivergent, patience. Patience and understanding. Because that's what matters. Because I'm going to throw a statistic up here that's going to shock you. And you're going to be like, I'm never talking to one of these kids again because I don't want to mess up. So be patient. What is ADHD? Now, again, I will talk about I do, ADHD is what I know. But we can extrapolate things from ADHD that apply to other neurodivergencies. 
Plus, the things I'm going to talk to you about ADHD, if you do not have ADHD, you can use yourself. That's the beautiful thing about it. I go into schools and often talk to teachers about neurodiversity, about ADHD and how to set up classrooms. And I've had wonderful teachers say, I love this idea. I'm going to make it happen. I have other teachers say, I'm not changing my class for one person. Why would I do that? And my heart drops down to my feet and I'm like, I can't change your mind. But if you make the classroom about that ADHD, everyone will benefit. If you make the classroom about the non ADHD, that kid will suffer. Will suffer and hate school and probably hate the teacher and probably will be in trouble a lot because their ADHD will distract them and impulse control and all that stuff will go nuts because they don't see seen, they don't see heard, and they don't see, they don't feel loved. That's what it really comes down to. So what is it? It is an actual thing. Now, raise your hand in here if you're over the age of 30. Okay. If you're over the age of 50, if you're over the age of, I won't say it because then I have to pin my brother down on that. But a many, many people that I do meet, many that I people meet, parents especially, don't understand ADHD. One of the things I get now is it's fake. It's not real. How can so many kids come out of the woodwork and so many people have ADHD when it didn't exist when I was a kid? Nope, it was there. I heard a story the other day that helps me understand the world we're in now because we have transgender, we have all the LBGQT, we have ADHD, we have ASD, and everybody's freaking out because the numbers are going skyrocketing. They're skyrocketing. They truly, truly are. But I heard this story from a teacher who now is a state representative that when the Department of Education decided to let kids not be forced to write with the right hand. You know, our, our government made that happen, right? They didn't want left-handers. So they made teachers a policy that every kid, I think it was actually the desk makers that made this happen. <laughs> but they made everybody write right hand. But I think it was like 59 or maybe 60, I can't remember the day she said, that they stopped that policy. And within a year, the number of left-handed students skyrocketed. And it just goes to show you, they were always there, but now they're allowed to be who they are. And so if you take that and understand how the numbers are changing, one, we're much more aware of the brain. We're much more aware of how the brain functions. We're still in the dark with a lot of it, but we're getting there. We're recognizing that human beings are not the same. They're not. We're wired differently. I can't. I have motor activity sometimes. I get motor activity in my mouth. <laughs> I get when I get nervous. Is another thing as we go through this. When I get anxious, when I get a little amped up, that motor goes. It's a gift, but it's also a curse. And I'm being honest about that. Um, so it is an actual medical condition. And as I go through this, you understand that the brain is actually different. There are three parts of the brain that are forming, form different, are a little smaller than the neurotypical brain. So to go through that, you'll understand that there's actually a function of physicality that affects ADHD. And they're looking more at ASD as well. Again, we're a little behind the times on that. We're getting the numbers out. The CDC is starting to catch up that's saying, hey, this is a real thing that's going on. Um, and science is right behind it. We're not getting a lot of releases of information about ASD because they're still studying it. But they know quite a bit about it. 
but where they've had fun with it is ADHD. So who hasn't? Now I had numbers on here and I was like, you know what, I better check my numbers because the numbers I had for, were, from, were from 2021, which wouldn't, would, wouldn't cover COVID and it would kind of cover those. But the new numbers are this. There are about 6 million children in the United States with ADHD that are diagnosed with ADHD. There's gonna be more, but these are diagnosed. Adults, on the other hand, yes, there's about 6.7, oh, 8.7 million adults diagnosed with ADHD. So in the United States alone, there's about 14 or 15 million people walking around, they're diagnosed with ADHD. Um, we are getting a larger influx of adults who are being diagnosed because as Jenny said, there are a lot of people that I meet who had a tough time in high school, got to college, figured college out a little bit, was still were wayward, didn't know some things, but all of a sudden they get diagnosed. They're like, oh, now I see. <laughs> I see when I have the bill that comes in the mail. I'm like, I need to pay this. <laughs> Where's that bill at again? <laughs> I got to get a pen. I'll go get a pen. Walk in the kitchen. Oh, there's that thing that I was looking for. Set the pen down, start seat. Look back in here and goes, oh, there's the bill. Where's my pen? Oh, the pen's in here. Wait, the water's still running. You sound familiar? <laughs> there you go. Um, yes. I have a question about. I'm ADD. I was diagnosed when I was about forty uh -huh. after finishing a master's degree. But if I'm ADD. Same thing. Not ADHD. I, well, um, so I don't know. What am I included in this? Yes. Here's the scoop. Um. What ADD was before was attention, de attention deficit disorder. Right. What they didn't, what they thought hyperactivity was, was part of the distractibility within that. So again, revising and understanding ADHD now is the official diagnosis. ADAD, ADD doesn't exist anymore. Well, I mean, it does, but the terminology for it. So if you go and you're tested now versus when you're 40, you get an ADHD diagnosis because no matter what, there's three things, impulsivity, distractibility, and hyperactivity. You are not, they're not exclusive. You're going to have all three. One will leave the cart. Here we go. I'm impulsive. You touch that. But that's also distractibility because it pulled your attention, but it's also hyperactivity because it's motor activity that goes. Gosh. So all three exist at the same time, but one will lead the way. Impulse control is probably the hardest one um, to train, to work with, because as human beings, we're in a church, we all know that we want what we want and we want it now. <laughs> and so as a human, that's a tough thing. And then you have the little man upstairs going, we probably shouldn't touch that, but man, it would be so nice if we did. And I'm sure it feels really good. And the texture is nice because a lot of times ADHDers have sensed sensory things and it's spiky or it's soft or it's smooth or it's liquid or it's, I got them all, don't worry. It comes with food as well, but then we want to touch it and make sure. Don't touch that stove, it's hot. What, this stove, ah! They're also ex experiential learners too, ADHD. Need to touch, need to know, need to understand. Does that help you with the ADD thing? Yeah. <laughs> you're on for a wild ride. So you ask me one thing, you're gonna go like five. <laughs> And if I speak too fast or if I'm unclear about anything, please let me know. Because my mind is going pretty fast. Autism. Uh, what is it? ASD. So many years ago, 
autism was broken down into Asperger's and then autism. Uh, now it's a spectrum, ASD. I don't mind it. Again, this is my field. And they came and said, we're going to say ASD because it is a spectrum because it flows. But the Asperger's diagnosis was a nice one because it, it, it helped people understand that you could have autism, yet still communicate, yet still go to school, yet still be in things. Now when people hear ASD, oh, autistic spectrum, they're like, can you speak that with me? Can you? It changes the idea of it. So you have to work with it, unfortunately. So, but that's where we're at. Again, it was autism, autism, and it was Asperger's, just like ADD became ADHD. Now they have ASD. Um, it is a serious developmental disorder that impairs the ability to communicate and interact. That's the baseline of what ASD is. Um, again, there's going to be severity within it. There's mild, which again would be more towards Asperger's with the idea that there's a lot of communication, being able to be in school, connect with people. Then there's profound on the other side, which is not communicative. Um, a lot of uh, muscle rig rigor, yeah, it's bigger. When it's tight. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, so there's on that side of it. So again, you're gonna experience a wide range with autism. So when you have somebody come in that has a child with autism, you want to find out. Again, we're very, it's a tough world because some parents do want to know. Some parents don't. And so you kind of have to figure that one out. I have people come to me still and they have a kid with, a, with ADHD and they're like, literally words come out of their mouth that say, fix him. Okay. I'm like, all right, I'm going to work with you first. I'll work with your kid. But I know in three sessions, I'm going to be saying, you need to come in here. And then I talk to them and we start having a conversation about the reality of what their life is like. Because if you want to deny it, go ahead. And I have a lot of more fathers who deny ADHD than mothers, but I've had mothers do it too. Because a lot of dads out and I wait for it. Dad comes in, he said, when I was a kid, I had, I had the same thing and I dealt with it. How you doing there, chief? This is your son. And school is so much harder than it was when I was a kid. And it's not necessarily academics, it's the world of sociability, it's the online, it's everything else that's swirling around their head. It is also larger classes. It is teachers who don't have the time to individualize the work. There's a lot of things going on. And I was never, and I, I never asked you this, I was never a sit down, shut up and listen person. I wasn't. Yes, <laughs> I know you're not. But that's the thing, too, is that that's changed. So I have to enlighten parents to the idea of what their son or daughter is going through. Because I'll come back to that. So includes difficulty communicating, difficulty with social interactions, repetitive behaviors, obsession, obsessive behaviors. Um, you'll get a lot of stories with, with autistic children who like to line their cars up, have presentation of dinosaurs categorized they will know everything there is to know about dinosaurs there's everything to know about this so there's a lot of obsessive connections with it now again people adhd and autism are just like being a human being you're you're gonna have smart you're gonna have not so smart so there's no one thing that says because you have autism you are a brilliant kid no it doesn't work that way what i have found though there is brilliance in there it's just different 
It's just completely different. And ADHD is also suffering from that too, because generally speaking, they are of higher IQ. When you look at test results, they are of higher IQ. Now, again, that doesn't mean they're 140, 170. They're 115, 110, which is above the norm. And in this case of schooling, which is memorize test, memorize test, memorize test, they're going, this is the stupidest thing I could possibly do. And I'm going to tell you right now, of the 30 kids that I see, every single one of them says school is stupid. Because they're bored out of their minds. They don't, they don't research stuff. They don't dig deeper. They're just blah, 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 test, blah, 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 test, and like whatever. And they're not doing well because they get bored. Um, autism, 2%, 2.2% of adult population in the U.S. has autism. Now, again, more numbers are coming out. Um, and then one in 36 children in the U.S., which you're thinking, one in 36. Well, 2011, 2011, it was one in 78. The numbers are, are there's more. <laughs> and, and the CDC just released this information. So this is now, they're starting to catch up with it. So this number will probably be one in 24, probably in six or so, six to nine months. But we won't see any data anyway for a year. So either way, you're dealing with a large population of neurodivergency with autism and ADHD. So you're roughly speaking of words, uh, what, 21 million possibly? No, actually, 30, 30. so you're going to have kids. You're going to have kids that come here that have ADHD. New families, old families, maybe discover they have tests, they get tested. Later on, now they discover that there's ADHD or ASD. So the numbers are out there. And it's great that you're doing this because it's important. Um, can, yes. Can, can you have both? ASD and autism? I mean, ADHD? Yes. With the way they're, the way the brain, there's, there is a difference with ADHD, definitely. The behavior types within it are so close at the tip. So when you had Asperger's, you had a lot of ADHD with it. So when you have high functioning, again, you have to say high functioning autism now versus Asperger's, but there, there's a lot of stuff that mirrors ADHD. Yeah, when you're, so I have some ADHD, and when you were talking about lining up the parts, yeah. he'd have them all lined up. And his dad would, if he moved them, oh. he knew, right? Like one was yeah. moved, he had a system. Because he had color side. So yeah. yeah, well, again, when I look at a lot of testing results, and parents don't need, don't ask, and that's fine, you don't know. But if you do ask, they can they can put an autistic, I can't remember the name of the test for it. ADOS. Yeah, that's it, the ADOS. And basically what they do, and that's a test in, not a test out. So if you have signs of, age, of autism, it's going to show up. Testing out means you're going to have signs, but they're really kind of removing that diagnosis. But you've already gone through the cost of the ADHD. I'm sure you don't want to go back for that one. <laughs> that's another thing that's prohibitive right now. It's very, very, very prohibitive to get tested. Um, even with insurance and a lot of places that test don't accept it. I don't accept insurance because I'm licensed a different way. But I know many of my colleagues now are not taking insurance because the insurance companies are ruthless. So if you came to see me, I don't take insurance. Aetna will come, let's say you had Aetna. They'll call me up. I don't provide insurance at all. I had Aetna call me up and say, you need to reduce your rates because we're not, we're not paying our clients. And I said, wait, you're going to cut my number, cut their number, so you make more money and hung up on They called me three or four more times. I'm like, I'm not responsible to you, and I'm not going to do it. 
So they're not looking out for you, unfortunately. And I know testing can go from $900. I've seen it $700 upwards of 5,000. Now that's the Cadillac. Now here's the thing. If you have a variety of diagnoses that are going on, there are testing psychologists that write that test for schools because you're going to need it. Because <laughs> you're going to need the 504 or you're going to need the IEP. And I'll get to that too. Because those are the, those, that's your armor to walk into the school and say, my son or daughter needs these things. Um, so it's a neurological disorder, neurodivergent, that affects regulation, attention, motor activity, and impulsivity. It, it, it directly affects those three areas in the brain. And that part of the brain that's affected is the prefrontal cortex, this part. Now, I, you know what? I've got a question. How big do you think the brain is? Give me an idea of how the brain is. Come on, show me, show me. Yeah, take your fit hands like this. Yep, that's how big. That's your brain. We have a lot of density muscle, I mean, bone that protects it. So it's tiny, it's a tiny little thing. So when you see in movies, the thing plop out on the ground, it's the size of football, <laughs> that ain't right. That is, that's not right. <laughs> it is purplish blue though, which is kind of cool. <laughs> Ooh, it's cool. And there's this green substance around it too. And you go, witchy, witchy, witchy. I'm kidding. But no, that's the thing. It's very small. But so the prefrontal cortex is the part of your brain that is regulating everything. It is the executive function area. But within that, what they discovered, and mainly in boys, this testing was done. This is this we know now that applies to girls, but when with this testing was done. I think around 82 or 83. And at that point, it was probably 10 to one, 10 boys to one girl with ADHD. Girls often demonstrate ADHD through quirkiness, uh, high independence of clothing. They get to change. Guys don't, I mean, I'm getting tattoos now and not that my wife doesn't like it. But man, if I was 18 and I knew I could get tattoos, I'd probably be all over the place. <laughs> because that's a demonstration of my I'm of myself and so girls who have ADHD do often demonstrate that way. They do different colored shoes and just uniqueness out there. Um, so they demonstrate differently, but they're built the same in the sense that the prefrontal cortex, the cauda nucleus, and the globus pallidus. Yes, you just got some Latin. Um, but there are three areas underneath the prefrontal cortex against the. And what they do, I would say how it works is the prefrontal cortex is this. It's the command center. It's everything. And that executive functioning uh, happens there. What happens is these two parts, the globus and the caudet, they are interpreting messages from the back of our brain to do stuff. And I was just talking to my family. The brain for ADHDers, if you think about it, is divided. Okay? You have the prefrontal cortex, and then you have all the other parts back here. I'm not going to go on those names. But this is where we store knowledge. This is where we store things like how to do stuff. Well, you know, all those things. The problem with ADHD, and you can ask ADHDers, they know what they need to do. They just can't initiate it. Because what happens is, these two little people right here, imagine a taxi driver. Your prefrontal cortex is the taxi driver. He's like, all right, boys, where are we going? And one goes, we want to go to the candy shop. And the other one's like, no, we really shouldn't go there because it's not nutritious and we need to do these other things. And by the way, there's four other things on our list. And your prefrontal cortex is like, where are we going? Where are we going? And the next thing you know, you crash into a hotel. Because it doesn't have the direction it needs. 
And so that's the disconnect. When people look at ADHD eaters and say you're lazy, it drives me absolutely nuts because they're not. They are not lazy people. If you have an ADHD in your house, they're not lazy. They just don't know how to connect what they need to do to do it. The urge is there and you get regret when you talk to ADHDers and say, what happened there? I knew what to do, but my brain and my heart were in a battle and my heart won <laughs> or my brain. It's always a difficult decision. It's always a battle for an ADHD. The knowing to do it is there. The how you do it, not necessarily, or the want. Now there's another thing too. There's, there's not laziness, but there's definitely what I want to do right now. And that's where parents are also like, oh my God, my kid, he'll hyper-focus on Legos for 20 hours. But then we've got to do math. And after three problems, like, can't handle it. Runs away. Because <laughs> it's not something they want to do. But we can translate what Legos mean to ADHDers to how to do homework, to how to construct life as well. See how I do that? <laughs> Couple of years. You have any questions yet? Anything? Oh, you can eat glasses. I forgot about that. Here, you want to try? I'm going to walk around the Sorry. All right. This is a great, I don't know if you know who uh, Dr. Holloway is. He's a very well-known ADHD researcher. Um, so this, having ADHD, I'm going to put it that way, makes life paradoxical. I mean, I when I read this, I was like, oh my gosh, this is everybody I know has ADHD. Paradoxical. You can super focus sometimes but also space out when you least mean to. You can radiate confidence and also feel insecure as a cat in a kennel. Okay. You can perform at highest levels feeling incompetent as you do so. Faking it. You can be loved by so many, this is the big one for me, but feel as if no one really likes you. Um, you can absolutely totally intend to do something, then forget to do it. You can have the greatest ideas in the world, but feel as if you can't accomplish a thing. Paradoxical, it's all there. In one moment, your child thinks he rules the world, but then goes, there's no way I can. At the same moment, there's not even a, a difference in the thought. It's a continuation of a thought. But it also works the other way too. I'm never gonna be able to do this, but I'm gonna go try to do it. That's the impulse side of it. It doesn't necessarily work out all the time, but that's again where the connection, I help to make kids make in those situations. But that just gives you an idea of the, it encapsulates what's going on in an ADHD at any given moment. Because I know you should be focusing on me, but you're not. That's, that's okay. Because here's the thing. We are human, and we only have sustainability for so long. Yeah. Um, I'm just, because I feel like these are like very natural things. So maybe we're going to get into it, but like. They're not natural. Okay. No, they are natural. But what, what, what I want you to understand is the, the level of it. Yeah, exactly. So when I talk to an ADHD or about being distracted, it is not even like, because I, I can see the cars out here. I can force my brain to bring my attention to you. Yeah. An ADHD or can't. Can't. Meaning, okay, I'm going to give you a, a little bit. So you're in school. Where'd you go to school? Uh, Wittenberg. Wittenberg yeah. High School. Uh, Chagrin Falls. Okay, don't know it. Chagrin Falls, that's in Ohio. Ohio yeah. Cap Toys used to be there, one of the companies I represented. So I know Chagrin Falls. So you're sitting in class. You're at the desk next to the window. Teacher's blah, blahing on, okay? 
you have ADHD, you don't have ADHD. Our distraction, our attention will wane because we don't have an hour worth of detention. Yeah. Doesn't work. You'll look out the window and go, oh, that school's pretty cool. And you hear the teacher say, and this is what you need to know on the test. And you're like, oh, okay, got it. ADHD is like, that squirrel is so cool. Oh, look at the other squirrel over there. I wonder if that bird's going to get over there. Not hearing the teacher. Not hearing. Yeah. Okay. That's the difference. Okay. Now, that's just a small little piece. You know how to not to have a cookie, correct? I almost did an experiment with you. I, almost, I, don't, I didn't have enough candy to do it. But if you, let's say you had a cookie in front of you, okay? You're like, I want dessert. You can hold off. Right. ADHD your thing. I, I, that's a general sweeping can't thing. Yeah. But that's what it's about. It. That's. I'm glad you asked that question because most people are like, why well, have trouble focusing? Yeah. I have. It's. It's uncomprehendable to people who don't have ADHD. I, I guess the only. One, I wish I. And again, I know you know it's there, and I know you understand it. But if the wish was able to give people who are not ADHD the, the day of ADHD. You'd be like, take it back. Take it all back. <laughs> you ever seen the movie The Hulk? The, the good one with Ang Lee. Not really that good. You ever see that one when he screams like, take my anger, take it all? Take all my ADHD, take it all. And it's an, it's an unending source. It's not like, oh, okay, here's a little piece. When you want it, you get it all. And that means not being able to sit still. That means your mom and dad often saying, what are you doing? Why aren't you listening? I told you five minutes ago. I told you five times to get off of that. Why haven't you fed the duck? You, that's what you get. That's what I'm going to tell you what the difference is also between having ADHD and not having ADHD. Great question. Is there an age to which you also can maybe distinguish nope. more or it's just all? No. Right, because little, little, right? Maybe harder to, I just didn't Nope, know. I got 55-year-olds that are a hot mess. <laughs> the thing that he, no, now I see what you're saying. It's mean like, you know, childish, like, okay, we're trying to like help them learn and then. It is the same no matter what. What you do is this. You grow into your management of ADHD. You do not grow out of ADHD. Because as I said, it is a physical manifestation of ADHD. Those things aren't going to get bigger. You have to learn management and doing it. I get a lot of parents like, oh, and when he's 18, we can stop medication. He'll just grow out of it. I'm like, okay, well, no, no, no. Because at 18, he's going to college. You definitely want to make sure he's okay. No, you don't. You grow into management styles. Hopefully, you get somebody in front of you that's going to give you healthy management. If not, it can be very, very difficult. Where, I mean, I have, I have clients who are older who have gone through three marriages. They can't keep a job. They're in debt. They file bankruptcy. Again, that, that bill thing. If I don't look at it, it doesn't exist. Because if I put it here and forget about it, I'm not going to remember it. So, no. You grow, man, you grow into management. You go, okay, what works for me? Lists do not usually work for ADHD, but we'll get to that too. But there's a lot of things you can't. Ooh, more questions. Yes. Wait, I'll wait for you. Uh, Manya, wait. Yes, you. I failed out of my first year of college because I didn't have a lot of the management stuff that yeah. uh, I needed and did not get in high school. I just got my diagnosis last year. It helps. It does help. And, it, and that's part of what I do with the people I work, and this is why you're here too. The more you know, the more you know. And with ADHD, I tell my, my clients and I tell parents, and again, this is where, or I can see how the family's going to manage it. You need to know. You need to know a lot of stuff. Awareness. How much can you focus? What are your distractions? When are you hyper? How much are you sleeping? When do you sleep? Can you fall asleep easy? Okay, you do, but do you wake up in the middle of the night? Do you wake up early? Can't. 
there's a lot of things that go along with what are you eating? What are you drinking? What do you have? Now, we'll get to that too. But FYI, caffeine and sugar are not bad for ADHD years. It does not spike their ADHD because if you take medication like Adderall or Vyvanse or Focalin, guess what those are? Those are high level stimulants. High level stimulants. <laughs> and if you think caffeine's going to jack your kid up, it's wrong because what happens is it flips the opposite switch. The more stimulant you have, the calmer your brain becomes. What you have to be aware of though is there's a black market for Adderall for high schoolers and college people. Because when you, if you don't have ADHD and you take Adderall or Vyvanse, you are superhuman. And that superhuman feeling is wonderful because all of a sudden you could do your homework, but you do your homework like it's razor edge and you get everything done. And you are like, wow, this is the greatest feeling ever. And I have another one and another. Problem with non-ADHDers with Adderall, it's, it's highly addictive, addictive anyway, but if you don't have ADHD, it's not solving a problem, it's just creating one. And even ADHDers on Adderall become addicted. I had a guy who went from 30 milligrams to 60 milligrams to 80 milligrams to 120 milligrams, would say he lost his pills all the time. So he was taking upwards of 240 milligrams of Adderall. He was not in good shape. That is, a, I don't, that's like, who likes lattes with an extra shot? Well, imagine a latte just with <laughs> Yeah, see, I, I went to Big B's and they look at me so weird because I get the 24 ounce and already have four shots in it. And I'm like, throw, throw two more. And they're like, you want two more? And I'm like, you're lucky I'm not asking for three. It settles me down. It makes yeah. me focus a little bit more. But that's, but again, that's where you see how he gave that story about when we don't, when we don't have an idea of how our ADHD works, it can wreck us. It can wreck us because then we feel we feel like we can't handle life and they go south real fast. So, Maddie, were you asking at what age can you see the ADHD? Oh, that's so okay. I think, Claire. I think there's still a piece where when you have small people, yeah. they're, they're all like that. autistic and ADHD in at their the characteristics. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? They, well, you know, they don't know how to relate to other kids. Right. They have to learn. And they are impulsive and they have to learn. But that's I'll, like, I'll, yeah. What I've heard is that like eight is a typical age for diagnosing a high functioning autistic kid because your peers have started to grow out yeah, of some 30, of that behavior. Yeah. Whereas you're still struggling. It's third third. So I I misinterpreted your okay. question. But third grade, I I I benchmark is third grade. Third grade, third grade because second, huh? Eight. Yeah, eight nine. Okay. Yeah. Now, I've met five-year-olds who sure. are strong ADHD. Like, oh my God, it's like, you might as well be Obi-Wan Kenobi with your ADHD. <laughs> so the thing that you're going to see undiagnosed younger, you're going to see spikes. Other kids will be impulsive, but, but that'll be the kid where you're like, other kids will be like, okay, I get it. He'll be like, I don't care what you tell me. <laughs> or they're sitting there going really fast. And you're like, well, kid, you're going to blow up. I want to. You know, so but you're going to see spikes of behavior. That's how you're going to recognize it. Um, oftentimes, you'll see the parent come in with bags under their eyes, drool and unkempt. You're like, it was a great morning. <laughs> or if a parent says, it took us like 30 minutes to get out of the door. There's an indication too. either somebody in the family. has. It's like, where's your left sock? I don't know. <laughs> All those things.
All right, I'm going to blow through that because I kind of talk to it. All right, here we go. What it does affect is planning. Oh, yeah, everything in life. So this is where it becomes, becomes important to understand. ADHD results in problems with planning, organizing, starting and stopping activities. I feel like I'm a bad commercial for like QVC. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wreck your life. Buy some ADHD today. Or mess with planning. Organize, starting and stopping activities. Who wants to do that anyway? Managing behavior. Be a mess. <laughs> Resisting on tax, prop, task, problem solving, work in memory. Yes. No, they're my proprietor. Um, I think I can I can email them to Jenny and she can get them out to you. I don't have any credits on there, so just so say that guy that I saw some time said that. But yes, these are all the things. And yes, normal human beings. I say normal, but neuro, non-divergent. Too many words. Neurotypical. I still have trouble with that. Just people. Everyone suffers from this. We do. Some get it, some don't. But ADHDers on a regular basis confront this every single day when they wake up. That's why some of your children, as they lay in bed, if they're sitting there, I don't want to go to school today. It's just too hard. And it's not about adulting. Oh, I hate that term. <laughs> I did laundry today. I dealt it. I'm like, whoa. I have some college students that I work with. And yeah, I get those. I'm so proud of myself. I made dinner. I'm like, what'd you make? Microwave mac and cheese. Ah! Like, Yay. <laughs> I adulted today. All right. I'm um, so all of those things are present in ADHDers. But again, it's at a higher level. Um, and not all of them. There's some, there'll be problems with some of them. Some of them won't be there. But yes, it's everything. But if you, if you distill it down to kids, where they're going to have trouble. Again, age-appropriate planning. I do not know why schools started this trend of giving seven-year-olds a planner, write stuff down about their schedule. They don't even know five minutes. It's the most ridiculous. It is. It's really ridiculous. You should know how to tell time. I'll, 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 oh, also, ADHDers. Who's ADHD in here to diagnose? You have a watch on? Yes. Apple Watch, too, right? Yeah. You don't do the digital. You actually do the dial. Uh, no, it is a digital because I have my calendar. Yeah, but do you have, is your face uh, an analog look or is it actual number? Actual number. Okay, I'm going to ask you to change that. <laughs> the only reason is this. Numbers for ADHD are just numbers. It is not time. When you have an analog clock with a second hand on it showing second, you see time. You see time. <laughs> You begin to see time. ADHD years of time wide. I know some ADHD years not because again their lives are shaped a different way. But that's I think a function in school that's not helping kids. Kids are not learning how to tell time anymore with analog clocks because it's digital. But I saw the craziest thing and I want to try it. They were, this kid was actually going around his high school asking kids to look at the clock and saying what time it was, and they were saying like twenty seven. Because it was the number, you know, it was 720, but they got it, they didn't know how to tell time. So, but the thing is, it's it's clearly time moves. And for an ADHD or there's that doesn't work. It that's like a thing in the mist. Time. What? what? I don't understand time. I'm here. Yeah, but you're 10 minutes late. I'm not 20. <laughs> better, better there, better late than never is really an ADHD term. 
Now, I will not tell you how late my brother was any time in his life. <laughs> ever. But I know my dad would tell my brother a wrong time to get him. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Okay. And I love you. <laughs> 88, now this is where it's not a problem, okay? Is willpower, inadequate parenting, lack of motivation, lack of intelligence, laziness. Where I get hit a lot of time with kids is, um, you know, that that lack of willpower and things like that. They they they're frustrated in the in themselves. This is the thing that hurts me is that they know. I mean, as an ADHD, you know, you see yourself doing things. You know, you see yourself not following through on things. You know, you see yourself dropping the ball, and it doesn't feel good. You're an adult though. And you can go talk to your wife or your partner or whatever and say, hey, this is what happened today. You have a way. Kids just bottle it all up. And they're also in school, which is very difficult as well because they don't have time to set it up. They're like moving to the next to the next next thing. Um, okay. If anybody here can tell me how to give people motivation, you can, you can come work for me and have all my business. I get that all the time. I just need him to be motivated. I'm like, I'll work at it. But I tell parents, I'm like, I can't motivate your son. If you give me a bat and a sharp stick with maybe a cattle prod, and you allow me 24-7 access to him, I could probably motivate him in a painful way. That's what that's negative motivation. That's the only thing I can do for human beings. I can't motivate. I don't know what motivates you. Do you like ice cream? See, there goes my plan. <laughs> and I was gonna be what's your name? Greg, I was going to grab ice cream for you. Will you listen to me? You'd be like, yeah, I like ice cream. You're like, sometimes. See, hedging your bet. <laughs> but that's the thing. I can't motivate. And for ADHD years, that little piece is difficult. Because one thing is they don't see tomorrow. If you do homework today, you can have free time tomorrow. That's motivation to me. I'll get the stuff out of the way. ADHD is like, well, no, that's, not, that's tomorrow. Doesn't matter. Question. Well, I was the, the, the lack of motivation thing is so huge in our house um, for my my older boys and this guy. Um, you're the old boy. Th this is the little guy. Oh, you're the little guy. Yeah. So, but my my big boy who is uh, like ADHD poster child, it will work for like well, I'll come up with this new plan. Right? Three days. Yeah. A week. Right. It'll work for a week typically, and then he does. The and then he becomes Superman. He's like, that's not my kryptonite any longer. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm um, nope. I'm gonna give you a tip. Ready? Ready? You need to have five things at once. Okay? All the testing and stuff like that. And in five weeks, you do one a week. And just rotate. Thank you. Do not stick with one because the ADHD is like, or I don't like candy anymore, mom. Don't you know? You wanna go to the park? I wanna go to the park, yes. I nah, that part's stupid more. Yeah. Because they don't know how to just tell you this doesn't work anymore, so that's how you change it. So roll with it. Again, when you're a <laughs> couple things with ADHDers. One, you'll never win an argument with them. <laughs> Two, don't try to keep up. <laughs> don't. It is, and I, and I joke when I say this, but I don't joke. So again, as I said, as I spoke to the fact that I do ADHD camps with ADHDers, mainly boys, nine to 14. And so you've all seen Brennan, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, imagine that, and I'm the fountain. 
And so they're all trying to touch me. I want to be a gremlin. You know, they're popping eggs out and stuff like that. So what I do with my ADHD is, is distract. Yes, I do Jenna mind tricks. So if I I'm like, oh my god, I'm like, oh my god, I forgot to tell you guys, I ran over a skunk on the way to work today, and they're like, what? And then I have control. <laughs> I have control. Or I come up with crazier stuff than that. It depends on the level of their excitement and their their need to get their attention, where I need to change it. So I'll distract them. I I, I will because I know it works, and I'm not hurting them. But I need to get. But that's another thing with parents too. Jokes, humor, weird humor will work all the time. The bizarre, the better. And I'll touch base on that right now. ADHDs are drawn to the flame. So here's what that means. If it now, this is where it disturbs parents. The more violent, the more gross, the more vulgar, the more everything. An ADHD be like, yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to swear in church. Is that okay? I'm going to give you a term you may not like, but I've got a guy who found the term suck my balls. <laughs> and all he said for four weeks was that. I'm serious. He was like, oh, oh, oh. and I'm like, all right, Remy, we're going to come up with something new. So I had to explain to him that he's drawn to edginess. When he, when he says that, you know what, parent, you did. What'd you just do when I said that? You were like, oh, and he's like, I'm embarrassing everybody and I'm not. And his mom and dad were mortified. But he plays hockey. He plays hockey. High level hockey. He's nine years old. He's very good. He's in the locker room. I'm sure I know what goes on in locker rooms. And he's picking up tidbits. And I told him, the dad, they're both very good. Mom played uh, college hockey. So they understand. But they were worried because he was being in it. It was bending in. It was going from just in the home to disrupting his sister and making it go. Um, to a little bit in school and here and there. So I had to work with her and say, look, you are going to be drawn to things that embarrass other people. And I said, when you say that, what are you looking for? Well, I'm looking for my mom to go, or my dad to go, Ooh! he said, that's fun. I don't really know what I'm saying. He honestly was saying, I don't really know what I'm saying. So I said, look, then let's come up with something different. That's not vulgar, but like just, Weird words like Jiminy Jiminy Crickets. I always say Jiminy Crickets when I can't swear. It's a lot, though. It's a lot. Thanks. So I'm friends with Disney. I actually paid them money to use that a lot. <laughs> but I come up. I get. I swear. I am Tony Mom. But that's me. But what I do is alter Jiminy Crickets. Holy moly! My gosh! I say a lot of different things in different you know in different places. Yes. One of the things that uh, I know my dad did when he was teaching Sunday school was he go through the Old Testament, find every single one of those gory Bible stories. Oh, yeah, go for it. Deborah and the Tech Tag. It's like, Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And what he should say to the kid concerned of it is, you ever see a bowl of oatmeal that just kind of what, spent too long in the microwave and everything just kind of oozed out uh, all over? Yeah. Keep that in mind yeah. as we talk about this. No, yeah. And just every single one of them that you can think of. And all the fourth and fifth grade boys that went through his class, they did, because they wanted to know. The more violent, the more gory, the more expressive, the better. It's That's that way. But you also get, a, again, I can't. I wish I could say I generalized, because there's also other things, too. You have the general ADHDers who don't like that. You know, they'll sit and draw for 20 times. I don't even know how long. But they're good at it, or they do Legos. There's, I mean, again, I wish I could say, here's some, one size fits all. 
it doesn't work that way. But again, that is one of those things though. If it's not if it's not gross, it's vulgar. There's gonna be a moment when they have those things where they go for it. And they're boys, so they're gonna have it anyway, but it's on a grander scale. Hey grandma, you know what word I heard today? And grandma's like, <laughs> like okay, you know. Um, so motivation is difficult. Again, if you're working with an ADHD, roll it. And if it's only an hour that you have with them, 15 minutes, roll it. We're also going to have, when I go back to starting and stopping activity, this is also where you'll see ADHD expressed a lot. It's change. Going from one activity to another, shifting gears from fast to slow, slow to fast, or just different subjects. That's why school sometimes, you see it start to evolve in school because Going from math to social studies, there's an uptake to go, oh, I've got to let go of math. Just when I was starting to get it, you're switching it on me. And now I have to ramp up for English and then I get English and then you're changing it again. So it's very frustrating. It's also a time when the brain lets go. So you get a lot more like, <laughs> and again, power breaks. That's where you dance, where you do some fun. I mean, I do Simon Says so many times during the day. I'm really good at it. Um, fast too. But that's the thing is if you're working with a person with neurodivergence and they're anxious or depressed or ADHD or ASD, you have to think better than they do. You have to do better because they're struggling all the time. I mean, we have higher levels of anxiety now, higher levels of depression. Men more now are coming out finally saying, I'm depressed. Life is not good. And I've got a lot of people shaming them still because that's our society. Yay, go team. The problem is people are, are hurting right now. And if you're not, or if you see an opportunity to step along somebody, you got, you have to do better than they are because if a person's swelling with anxiety, they're not thinking. They're not, they're reactive all the time. Never settle, always reacting. An ADHD or you look, you know, you've had them in their class and they do something and you look in their eye and you know that hurt them, that they, are, they know they're going to catch something from it. From either a parent later on or a teacher. And it's tough. Now, I love this one. This is the best slide I've ever done. This is my life. So here, I wish I could. Well, don't see this. <laughs> don't, don't look. So here's non-ADHD storytelling. Start story. End story. Then you have your ADHD. <laughs> Pre-story prologue for context. <laughs> My family knows these stories. Start a story. Now, this could take, as you see right now, as I try to tell a story, a long time. Thank you for the ride. Appreciate it. You start your story, but then you realize there's too many details. What do I do? So the details can go semi-related story, but it also can go, okay, then I'm going to wait. Okay, back to main story. And then, wait, I realize I'm talking too long, and all of a sudden, you're, you're caught. And the cog of that person's brain. And I've sat there for 15 minutes just going, uh-huh. Uh -huh. So what was that story about? And then they'll go, oh, yeah, today at school, I just didn't do well. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> but again, be patient. Don't sit there and go, oh, my God, you're talking too much. That's the worst you can do because they'll shut down. There won't be a turnaround. They'll be like, screw you, fine, I'm done. You don't want to hear it? Fine. It was a fun story. But they'll shut down real fast. Again, that's the patient. That's the walk-along with ADHD. Yes, I understand there's stuff that needs done. But if you don't do it the way I'm asking you to do it, it's going to take you longer. Anybody know that? You probably do. 
again, you won't win. And I hate to say it that way. It's not a win-lose. But if you go head-to-head, if you push hard into an ADHD that has formulated their ADHD, you will lose. You will fight. You will feel horrible for the things you say and the things you do because they will fight right back. And they have remorse, but they will cut your throat. I'm sorry. You know your child. You're like, I can't believe he said that. He will say. Yeah, he's gone. He's like, he's talking about me. But that's that's what happens. Again, it's that understanding that know their limits, know your limits, do better with the conversation. He's okay. I think he's okay. He's got it. But I just thought that was a funny slide. All right, now peanut butter sandwich. Roy's been mystified by this since I said it, so he's not. We're going to be talking about uh, non-verbal working memory. All right, everybody say that. Okay, now you know it. See, in a regular age, they wouldn't know that. You forget it. Just kidding. So now I'm working visual memory. Yeah, see, I screwed up too. Nonverbal working memory. I have to remember NVM, WM. So the idea is this nonverbal working memory is the ability to code, store, Recover information about faces, shapes, images, songs, sounds, spells, tastes, and feelings. Your working memory, your visual working memory, is what works for humans. It makes us different. Because what we don't have to have is words. Our brain doesn't work on words, by the way. Did you know that? Um, you know that, right? You think you're, you're, you think you're seeing words, and you're, but you're not. You code a word to a visual. That's how your brain works. Now you think, I want to think of a red ball. Now I put words there. You know what your brain did? It saw a red ball. It didn't put words on. That's what's really amazing about our brain. It shortcuts that it does. It doesn't want to take all the energy to go red. Okay, what's the word red? Okay, there's red. What's ball? That's not a ball. That's round. Okay, it, it does. It does that by grouping it into a picture. Make it quick. So that's what gets us through the day. It what makes it possible to retain or remember content without words. But even with words, we code it into visual as we place ourselves in a classroom when i work with kids on testing you know they're testing and doing quizzes i often tell them don't worry about the content but also put yourself in space what did the classroom look like where did you sit what were the smells where was the teacher standing all of those things help us remember what we learned but we think we have to look at the words to remember it but if we do both our working memory, our visual working memory fires up and says, you remember this now? And you go, yes. How many people have done that? Where you're like, I can't remember. Then you think all of a sudden, I was walking on the street and, I, and you're like, boom, there it is. It's an amazing aspect of our humanness. And the more I know God, God made an un- unbelievable machine in our head. The things that it does for us, man, oh man. Is this what the memory palace technique works off of? Oh, God, you said that, palace. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Memory palace. I'm going to let you go with that reference. Where's the memory palace from? Uh, I don't know. Sherlock. It's Sherlock Holmes. Uh, yes. The good one. With... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it is the mind. And it is. That's how... Now, a lot of people believe what he played was an autistic character, and I would say yes. I think, as Conan Doyle wrote, 
he wrote about himself in that. And I don't think, I think there was a lot of stuff going on with those cats back then. We didn't know about it, but that is the memory palace. If you take the time, and I, this is another management skill that I, I try to accomplish with my ADHD years as they get older, but it's just say, stop. Remember where you were. How did it look? How did it feel? Now, if I know the ADHD are sensitive to smells or touch, I'll ask, how did it smell? What did it feel like? Again, this, this, this thing is just nothing but feel, touch, smell, everything. So it's coded. It's coded in this moment by a visual context. But what ADHDers can't do is pull that memory. When I say peanut butter sandwich, uh, who can I pick on that I haven't picked on yet to make them cry? <laughs> I'll pick the knitting board. It's crocheting. I'm sorry, crocheting. <laughs> Oh boy, she's not gonna make peanut butter. <laughs> All she can do is crochet. <laughs> oh, okay. So <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Then, do you know how to make a uh, cashew butter jelly sandwich? Wait. How do you make a almond butter sandwich? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Now, are you thinking to yourself in words? Or keep the, this is how it works. It works so fast, you don't realize. When I said how to make a peanut butter sandwich, even though you don't eat peanut butter, you visualize the sandwich in your head, didn't you? That's how it works. You know what an ADHD can do? That. So you're married to Greg. No, right, who's married to Greg? Are you here independently? Is anybody married to you? Yes. <laughs> is she here? No. Why well, would gonna make fun of it? Because she probably knows this. She's probably like, "Can you do this? Can you make that for me?" And you're like, "Uh huh." Does that happen sometimes? Yes. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Actually, we'll leave the wife out of this. We'll go to the offspring and the kids. That's where ADHD or struggle is being able to take that in the cortex and bring it forward and demonstrate. Yes. So. I remember Temple Grandin, which is just she's autistic, yep. talking about, you know, when you when I say church people, you think this one, and I think this one, da, 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 and all the church people that I've ever seen. Right. So are you telling me that they're opposite? Well, it, that's ASD. So you have to understand that right. autism functions differently than that. I yeah. understand. Yeah. But, but, are, but are you saying, like, your autistic person, if it's their special area of interest and etc., yeah, if they may hold all those pictures, but an ADHD person can't. can't. No, that's why directions are tough. That's why vision, like, if I think about going, like, for instance, if I think about going home, I know how to go home, but I have a visual map in my head. I know where to turn left and right. Now, I don't know necessarily where the streets are, but I know an ADHD can't do that. that makes sense. Okay, but so. If if it's an autistic person's uh, wheelhouse, and and if it's not their wheelhouse, uh -huh. then would it look like the ADHD? Yes, because they have no regard for the church people. Right. That's the difference between ADHD and autism is that ADHD has regard for the staple you're people you're asking. Autism is like I don't care. Why would I want to know that? That's and it's blunt. It's like no, and that's another thing too. People struggle with autism because it is blunt. There's no casual feeling like, uh, no, I don't know steeples. I'm sorry. They're like, no, why would I? Stupid. Uh -huh. That's it.
So, yeah. As a kid, people would talk all the time about visualizing stuff in books. I loved reading. I was caught up late. I almost got left behind by the bus at the library because I loved reading. Uh -huh. But for me, I would paint a picture of emotions. Like I yes. could know exactly how each person was feeling. I could smell the things. I could feel being in the person's body and experience almost to the point of it would be uncomfortable if they went through something really bad yeah. empathic. But I didn't pick up from high school that when people say picture it or picture something, they're, like they're actually, but people actually create photos. Mm -hmm. And there was this Disney movie where Jimmy Cricket and there's the puppets. Okay, I'm not gonna. Yeah. The, puppet, the point is, <laughs> they show how people picture things as the speaker is telling the story, and the children are looking up, and then it goes to the animation. Right, and shows. And I was like, people do that. So I worked really, really hard in my own mind, and so I kind of try to use. I kind of have my own stock photos in my brain. Okay. And I try to kind of create what other people would experience, but I was like, oh, people actually. Yeah, they like visual, they're watching yeah. TV. Like this is something people do, and I was like, oh, why can't? Well, that's why your people like say, oh, that's not how I pick. You know, you have a movie rendition of a book or anything else. Yeah. Like, like, it's not how I picture them. Because yeah. we all have our own experience about what that is. And yes, the neurotypical will have pictures that go along with the story. Many ADHDers function on the on the peop, on the the emotion side of it. Um, and, that, and a lot of people don't understand how that happens. And ASD does the same thing because it's easy to read them. There's not a story there for pictures. There's a story there for people. So you want to, you know, that's how it works. Thank you. Yeah. I it's a tough one. <laughs> so, it's a tough one. So ADHDers don't picture anything. They don't. They do, but they can't connect. That's the issue. Because the prefrontal cortex, the two, the three pieces that I talked about, they inhibit. Not intentionally. It's not like I want to not have that. It's just that it won't. It, they're too small and they have to work. So they cut corners. So they don't give you the visual side of it. They know it's there. Like what is dumb? When I have parents say, go clean your room. What does clean my room look like? They don't have a visual score of it. Now you might, a visual room off the ground, bed made, things put away. They walk in there and I'm like, I'm fine with this. <laughs> you know, I'm fine with this. Well, not that though, but it goes in the clean clothes. So how Okay, so let's Well, I got there. So this is where Legos comes in. So two things. ADHDers should not, and I know some do, really shouldn't do lists. Because lists can be never, un there's, not a, there's not an end to a list, technically. But a lot of ADHDers I know will have like a list of five things and they start the morning off and they get their one thing done by the afternoon. They've added three thrown out two and added six more by the time they go to bed. And what they feel is, and what they feel is I haven't done a thing all day long. But you just add all the things to the list. You check <laughs> and you all the things as you do them. You then you see what I'm done. But you're, but here's the thing. You're not ADHD. Are you? Yeah, but how long's your list? Right. That's what I'm saying. List? No, I, I, that's what I'm saying. I, they don't end. And it, and I'm not. That works for you. But it keeps, for me at least. Yes, there it is. Me from 
Like I can come back. You're like, tethered, Where right? It's your tether point. Yeah. Right. The longest of the list. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk later because I want to know that. Are you on that list? Oh, that's wild. Kids. Six, number 68, kids. <laughs> well, that's where it is. That's the ADHD thing is, and yet, I know a lot of people, should, now you're, that works for you. Many, many ADHDs just can't do this because one, it's daunting. I can barely do the first one, let alone get to the fifth one, all right? And I'm not even talking about the list. But by the time you get to the fifth one, you're like, wait, there's like 10 other things I got to do. And so you try to put that on the list. And at the end of the day, you're like, I'm moving. That's what happens. All the things don't work. They don't visualize. They can't visualize. I'm getting there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting there. And we're not landing the plane. We're going all over the <laughs> yes, I'm going to tell you. You're not, because I, I have a little taste. And this is what I'm talking about. You have to be patient for the ride. You do. <laughs> I do this intentionally. I do this intentionally to get exactly. <laughs> I have a lot of people questions. I'm not going to but I'm telling you, this is an ADHDers world. Your impatience with me not wrapping this up is what parents do, what adults do. And I'm going to show you a stat. Hang on. You're not, you are, because you're not paying attention. Oh, no. no, come on. Hang on, hang on. Well, here's the thing. You want to see why I do this? Because this is the reality of an ADHDer's life. I can joke about everything. I won't about them. And the idea is that it's estimated that a child, not an adult, a child with an ADHD receives 20,000 more negative responses in a day. 20,000 more. What's more than 20? I get, I mean, I don't even know what that looks like. But that's reality. And when I and I don't mean to cut her off, but I'm telling you, that's what people do. If I was any other person, I would have freaked out. I'm sorry, I gotta wrap this up. I'm not. I'm at my pace. I know what I'm doing. I'm gonna explain. Yes, I do this because it's not easy. You have ADHD. You have ADHD. You have ADHD. Is your life really easy all the time? No, it's not. And what's that David Exactly. By the time they're 11 and in middle school, it's a wreck. And oftentimes they're perfectionists too. And so if they want to try something, they won't because they don't know how to do it. Or they've been told they can't. So she got me upset because that's impatience. That's a demonstration of impatience on how you do with people who are neurodivergent. She wasn't at my pace. She's not at anybody else's pace. She's at hers and that's fine. But you sit for the ride. If you came here to learn, you sit for the ride. But teachers do that to their students. If you don't know this now, I'm not spending any more time with you. Come after class and ask, can you help me with this problem? I don't have time, you're stupid. I've had kids actually tell me that their teachers tell them they're stupid. 2023. Last year, my son's teacher told him, your behavior isn't bad or bad. Yes, this is it. This is it. Again, and if I took what she said, I'd be bad because I'm not wrapping it up and it's coming apart at the seams. No, it's not. I know exactly where this is going. I'm, at, I'm tangential. I'm anecdotal. You're along for the ride and I maybe bore some people, but still. And I'm sorry that happened, 
but that's what happens. I'm not making this up. You're not making it up. You're one child. I get 30. I get years of this. And it's not fun. I want you to understand. Now, I'll give you solutions. Solution one, patience. And I said, upload faster. Be better. Because the person you're working with can't. So you're going to be like, finish it. Get done. It's coming apart at the seams. Finish it up. If I were 11 and that woman said that to me, I'd be crying. I'd be going to my mom saying, I can't do this. And maybe I wanted to do a magic trick for her and it was taking too long. She'd get up and walk away. Yes, I'm picking on her. I don't know who she is, but that's it. And I'm upset by it. And unfortunately, I probably didn't handle myself all that well. And I apologize for that. But somebody's got to stand up. Somebody's got to stand up for these people. And I'm going to get emotional because I do. And that wasn't fair. Anyway. Thank you. What's that? No. No, no, no. What you're talking about. In color? Yeah. No, the no, well, dreams. Women see color, men don't. In dreams. Now look at a flash of red. But women see color. We don't. <laughs> you guys are lucky. Yeah, I know. We imagine the colors because we tell a story, so we're putting colors on it. Men do. Men act, women actually see colors. So pretty cool. What's that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We're like, where's the guy that's going to edit this? Please come along. And he's like, no, nah, I'm taking it. What does, what does, what the, what done is helping me get here? See, all I had to do was get to this slide four minutes longer. The idea is this: pictures. What I've suggested to a lot of my clients. Again, bedroom done. What we did is I said, go work with them, put things away. Show where it's at. Take a picture of a finished room. Put it up on their door. So when they walk in, they have a reference point. It's not a list of shoes go here, shoes. It's, again, a visual. That works. Finished example. Again, part of that is it. So, again, when you want to teach an ADHDer to cook, and ADHDers can cook really well, by the way, because they will follow the instructions. So, again, if you want to help an ADHDer, teach them to clean, teach them to cook. Teach them to do all those things because those are muscle memory things. Cooking is different, but cleaning the house is more muscle memory. It does not take a lot of memorization. So you can do two things at one time when you're cleaning. Um, videos work too. I've had a lot, now a lot with people doing videos for their kids about how to get ready in the morning. I had a dad doing, he should be doing comedy. He did this hysterical Dresses his kid in the morning, came down with like, you know, he did this whole video and his kid loved it. And he was like, I'm like that in the morning. He's like, sometimes you are. He's like, okay, well, you know, I'll try to get better. It was fun for them. Again, they learn a lesson, but they learn it different. Part of that is also visual instructions. I said, like, let think Legos. Now, that's one thing where a lot of kids that I work with, they are incredibly gifted in their hands. It's like Michelangelo, you know, they've got in their hands and they can build anything. But they start with, everybody wants Legos? Everybody Legos? <laughs> Dude, they're the best instructions ever. If, if you want to know how to build a Scott, like if they said, here, build this rocket outside. And they were like, here are the instructions. And Lego made the instructions. We could probably do it. <laughs> as long as they're color code. But the thing is, that's the idea, though. Because instructions, yes, you have to catch the, the ADHD or will not be patient. Get to get to it. But if you can go step by step a little bit longer, 
to tell them what we've done. But also, too, it's not a list. If you say what the cleaning the kitchen, you had a visual and a ch and that list of like, this is how you do it. You know, it works. Again, it may take three things for that ADHD or to accomplish them. But again, it's better than not doing. Again, when I say you can argue with your child and they won't do it, or you can bend because you can, you have more plasticity and flexibility within your concepts to bend. So you can get things done different than the ADHD. -er. And then no lists. I still don't believe in lists, but some people do, and it works. So that's that. So, yes. Okay, so you're saying like the images of like what is done, the bedroom situation, right? Yeah. And then no lists. I've seen people do like um, like image icons for like it's like yes. a list, but it's like image icons. That so works like, too. There's a toothbrush. Exactly. Then there's a shirt. Like is that still that a works? List? No, no, no. That that's a visual icon. That's helpful. Okay. That's okay. not words. Okay. So again, because of the so many, images. yeah, because there's the emojis now and everybody sends yeah. text with nothing but emojis okay. and you have to decipher them. It's really fun. Yeah. Yes. I don't know if it works for kids, but I know for me, one of the biggest helps is to have someone else as your um, expert motivator. Yes. Accountability for ADHD yes. is huge. I do everything. Like I won't go to the gym and work out. But if you are going to meet me at the gym, you'll be there. You're going to help me figure yeah. out what I'm going to work out. I will show up every time right but i can't motivate myself right. to do it and that that is a big accountability thing it's harder for kids as you said because they don't see that as they see parents not as accountability but the person telling them to do it but where i see and i tell adhders two things adhders hate groups but i want them with a group <laughs> because then they can have accountability but what they do is I did all my work and that person didn't do anything and I get really frustrated or they don't get included. There's a lot of things with group work anyway with kids, but ADHD or struggle with that. But the idea too is that um, if they have a partner, again, if we're going to work on our project tonight, I'll be there. That motivation of one, I won't be embarrassed because I don't show up. That's a big thing. And also accountability to it. So yes, that those things do work. Your visuals, too, because now we have the affordability of, 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 of so many different icons. Again, I love the idea because application is different now. There's a lot of different things that come up. I mean, I'm always learning. Again, text messages work great. I've had a lot of parents that text with their with their teenagers in the moment. So if they're like, I'm home, what, and their deal was, text me when you get home. I'll give you a list of things to do. Or here's the things that need to be done. Yes. So... <laughs> Specifically, we don't like lists because they have too many things on them. Yep. But also, our working memory is the weakest part of us. Yep. It means that I can't say, clear your dishes, go brush your teeth, put your pajamas on, take out your clothes for tomorrow. It's too much. Right. So literally, when I took that to the therapist, she said, no, you can't tell. I was like, oh, you don't have my backup. She's like, no, you have to write it down. <laughs> well, no. Well, again. So you're not saying you're not saying making a list is inappropriate. You're saying don't make a list. Right. Right. And again, list. There's no see for a lot for kids, especially lists don't have a context. For you as an adult, maybe you started early, but as a context, it works because they you say to yourself, "I need to check in." Kids don't. Again, you can learn that ability yeah. if that's your thing. You can teach that. Yeah. You can start small by, okay, do two things, check back in. 
You knew, again, that's, it works if you have somebody who's going to work. But if an ADHD is like, I'm going to start a list today, it doesn't necessarily work. Yeah. I mean, I find at work, it's like if I have to get a uh, hundred different small tasks done, if you show me a list with 300 things on it and you say I have to get a hundred things done, that 300 is really intimidating and I think yeah. it's hard to get started. Yeah. But and that's if I have 20 things and then I get those 20 things Chunk done it. and I refresh my list and there's another 20 things on it. Yep. Then I'm good to go. Chunk. Well, what I'm talking about too is chunking those lists. If you do choose, just you know, you have ten things in a day. Three, 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 two, two, yeah. two. Accomplishments are what make the ADHD your roll. You grease the wheel. Because of the dopamine. Exactly, it's the dopamine. When you actually finish a, a stupid task, you still get a certain dopamine, and then you ride in the wave. <laughs> it is. So can I just yes. That? So I both like lists and hate them and chunking and colors and all of these things together together i have uh, about 17 color post-its yeah and so i chunk my lists per room that's fine so like does it work does it work for you and my desk there's a list and then the dopamine of crunching it up and like yeah right so it's i think as i listen to you and as i have my own experiences and learned it's it's figuring out where you fall in that current and like what holds your well, and that's and that's why I do these too. I do with adults and parents and things like that because I'm not the end all be all. I mean, I'm not. I know a lot, but there we just Heather's idea. All of a sudden, somebody's going to go, "Oh, I'll try that." That's what this is about. Because again, we're you're you're not on an island by yourself. There's so many other people. Again, even per people who don't suffer with that could use that. And again, it's the idea of support networking understanding talking again just your idea right there brought the idea of chunking you have 100 things but show me 20 i get those 20 things done but if i look at the 100 that's like all day dude but you do all day doing the 20. what if there's no end on that's the, well no and that's the that's where many adhd years again life can't be done on a list that's the whole thing many years you can't do that because then it is it's scary because there are so many things to do in a day. And we know that, but we also too divert, you know, neurotypicals, we'll break it down. You know, I do area sweeps. If I'm gonna go, if I'm going downstairs in the kitchen, well, the back room's gonna get something too. So I do area sweeps. That's how I work. But again, it never ends though. I have three cats, three dogs, a 16 year old, a 21, a 27 old and a wife. You think it ever ends? No. No, it does not. <laughs> it does not. But if I put that on the list, I'd probably never get up again. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that's your husband. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I just randomly, I clash with this guy. And. Oh, what are we touching? Like. No means no. No, we do that. Uh, uh, but what's the biggest fight we've gotten in? because I am stronger in planning. Ryan is fantastic in the moment if something goes wrong, whereas I kind of, I become dial up. If I, if the glass of milk breaks, shatters, You're out. the cats are going to step on it like no. But when it comes to the long game, that's where I excel. So we have found for us is like, and I had to learn to prioritize what's the most important thing. Okay. They're coming for the weekend. What actually has to get done? And I don't know that this is helpful because I've had practice in that, but we will make a list of like bathroom, clean the counter, 
clean sink, grab the toilet, and we will pick and choose from the list. So it's not about a fair division of labor anymore. It's about what can I do? Right. What, what can I do? And so that's kind of how we have it. And that is yeah. kind of broken down some of the yeah, it's a yeah, it's a kind of cult. It's a little bit of uh, accountability as well as your wheelhouse. Look, that's the thing. Too. I mean, you're you're married, and I would say, regardless of your divergencies, as a married couple, I'd say, what are you good at? I mean, I run into married couples, and they assume that the guy's going to do the garbage, but he's never done the garbage because his sister did it, or whatever it might be. I cook. My wife can't cook. <laughs> can't cook. She she burns water that bad. So I cook, but that's just a different thing. That's my ability. You know, so again, what you're doing right there is using the diversities that you have in your gifts and your abilities and making it work. And again, I'm not the end all be all. There are things that I don't know, like I the color coding in every room. I love and the crunchiness. I could see why you're like color and sound. Yep. So part of that is senses, you know. And again, this is what it's about: is figuring out how to work together on. Um. And look, I do. I wish I had all the answers to make ADHD and ASD just so easy. I don't. And unfortunately, no, I don't necessarily have an end game to this because it's ongoing. I have a new client tomorrow. Guess what? He has ADHD. Will I learn something new about ADHD? Yes. So my brain ever is expanding with ideas because what works for you won't work for another person. Your 20 will work, but somebody has to do 10. Again, I, I, all of these things. Now I'm going to use that. I'm going to use yours too, if you don't mind. All this stuff gets put into it because I've got all these different people to come up with ideas about it. The thing is too, is like learn all you can about it. If you have ADHD, learn all you can. Know exactly how long your focus is. I tell kids and adults, find your focus, especially kids in school because they have this idea that neurotypicals are studying four, five, six hours a night. And I'm like, they're not. But time your focus. Be efficient. My my focus is 27 minutes. I know. Grad school taught me that. How do you find out? Take your watch. You got Apple Watch? No, I just use it. That's fine. <laughs> and what you do, when you're take, take a source that you like, okay? Start reading. And as soon, you know, you I can't tell you, I know my feeling, but you know your feeling when your brain goes, stop the clock. That is the first onset. And everybody wants to push past that. Like, oh, I could keep going. But those next five sentences, the next page, you go the next day, you're like, where are Once you feel the inkling to stop, you can maybe go 30 more seconds just to wrap up a sentence, but to stop. Now, the side that is more difficult, as I said, starting and stopping activities for ADHDers. See, again, a lot of ADHDers, a lot of parents don't plan for that. They're like, oh, just take a break. No, no, no. You, you can't just take a break. I, was, I mean, no, you can't be like, I'm going to go sit down on the couch nine hours later, not doing anything. You have to do something that's parallel to the reading or a quick task for the dopamine surge. So basically what you do is you, and this is again with school studying, you can still take the worst subject you have that you don't like and take the best subject, study on the worst one. Your reward is I get to read some of that science fiction book that I want to. And then I go back to the drudgery. Now, older people can do that, where you have to teach kids is that flip-flop. They'll want to cut loose. I also say, if you're going to do study for kids, have the snack there, have the drink there, 
All right. You can't have a bucket under the table because they really still need to use the bathroom. But the idea is they'll be don't be prepared or be prepared. You can waste time or not waste time. So if you have all those things there, they can't say, I'm done. I need a drink of water. There's your water. But again, maybe you do something there. You play a game of cards at the table where they're studying. You're just different, but you're parallel to it. You're not shifting so much focus. You're aligning to the focus again. And that's what you have to do. Again, thinking outside the box and how it presents. Also, have study areas for your kids. A designated area where they study. Not in their bedroom, the door closed, and the TV on, and their, and their computer, and their iPad. No. Now, I can't stand it quiet. Again, ask your people. Ask your peoples. Do you, I, first round of Michigan State. Everybody, let's go to the stacks of Michigan State. It is like a morgue up there. And my friends were like, that's the best studying I've ever done. I'm sitting there going, I'm looking around like, sounds wet. It was like a vacuum. No one's screaming and there's an alien. It wasn't fun. So I'd go downstairs to the lobby at Michigan State. Anybody in Michigan State Library? There's a lot of people rolling through there. No amount of noise. I studied like a monster because that droning, that constant people moving in and out soothed me. It has to this day. I am a noise person. I have a person that's quiet in my spousal relationship and the dogs lick their paws and I lose my mind, but I can't have my ring. Man, dog licking is <laughs> that noise. You know that noise and it gets to you. You love it? Yeah. Oh, nope. Oh, oh. No, because my dog, even licking water gets me going. I might have to leave the room. It's so uncomfortable. <laughs> Lapping up water. <laughs> yes. So one of the things that I would like for people to recognize is that you as an adult, Recognize that that makes you crazy. Yeah, you have to leave the room, whatever. And I don't think we always give our kids the same grace. Nope, we do not. That like, was... They don't know what's pushing them over the edge. They just know they're going over the edge. And we would like for them to be able to behave themselves. Right? And you just stole my thunder. And I love it. Giving them grace. Yeah. To... Patience and grace. Because we tell her, and it's tough because I, I I want parents to be able to do that. I give I give family homework because a lot of times kids come to me and say, I I can't just that. It's like I needed to step away. We were in an argument, and I know that I needed to step away. And the dad chases the kid, pounds on his door, wants to, you know, like trying to get in front of parents is a different thing. But that is it. I want every kid that I have that I work with to know themselves, whether it's ADHD or whatever it is. Know what makes you know what makes you weak. I mean, that's part of it, you know. And if I didn't know those things, I would probably be confused about why I'm unsettled at night or things like that. Yeah. How do you balance that with people saying that you're enabling? You're not though. Oh. Here's a scoop. <laughs> no, here's a scoop. You can buy into it, or you say no. That is an outside person's opinion. Again. As we, Demonstrated in the world, some people can't flow. And that's okay. I'm okay. But if it directly impacts people who can't or who want to, then it's a problem. So no, there's no enabling of ADHD. Now, if you're cutting, if you're doing all the things to avoid conflict, to avoid discomfort, that is. But if you're still directing them and working and hey, this, no, because look, you know, if, what bothers you? What's a sound that irritates you? What's something, what's your thing? You know, 
Or you can't say it out. <laughs> Either way. I don't know that I know people like this. Okay. I'm not doing things. Okay. But like if you were sitting here doing this. That's right. And it eventually got on our nerves. I was just kidding. I know what makes me crazy. What? When some people drive. Really? Flow? No. Oh. And they drive and, and they. Oh, the up and down? Oh, yeah. random. Oh. 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 Oh, you know what rabbing is? Random application of brakes drives me nuts. Oh, random application of the gap. Yes, so we're right there. That's yeah. why you never want to move the car. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's, uh, you're turning left and braking all the time. When are you turning left? There's nothing there. Go in the ditch. I'd be happy with you. But no, that's part of it, though. Again, we have to, we ourselves as adults, again, we need to do better and help our kids understand that discomfort is real some things bother you understand those things how do you sleep again all of those things where i talk about adhd parents often just hear the diagnosis from the doctor and go go and you can't because there's so much to learn because kids again auditorily distracted visually distracted tactile distracted I mean, there's a there's imagination distracted. There's all of those things, and you need to know their pull. If impulse is one of those things, it's understanding what is the impulse. Is it blurting out the words? Is it interrupting other people's conversations because you want to know what's going on? Is it the feeling of being left out? There's a lot of stuff that has to be incorporated in that. And yeah, I get to meet with them once a week for an hour. You're with them 24 seven, except for that hour in school. And school is another thing too. That's also a big deal. Um, understanding your child and students, all of this is important for parents to understand. You're dealing, and if you're working with kids, again, I would hope that your community and the parents of the kids that you work with express the things that are going on with their child. Again, personal stuff is important, but if you're with them through a service, it is healthier for you and for them to understand what is going on in their life to a degree. Work with ADHDers to discover their strengths is a big thing. Because we often overlook strengths. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, Legos play, blah, blah, blah. Legos are a gift. It is a strength. It is a strength to be able to, and again, this is where their visual memory gets wonky because even though they can't picture it, they can picture Lego. And again, part of it's the instructions. So strengths, what's their weaknesses? We just talked, what irritates you? You know, is it, I, I Many ADHDers are um, sensory overload. They don't like, don't like sleeves or they get overheated. You'll see boys that wear shorts in January in 20, you know, it's negative 20, gotta wear shorts. Doesn't like pants, doesn't like socks, doesn't like shoes, doesn't like pads. Itchy. Itchy. Also like lights. I'm, that's one thing I've gotten older, so you know, whatever. I don't like bright. And again, we're in an atmosphere or an environment in school where it's fluorescent lights. And it's an echo chamber. So if a kid has any sensory issues with sound or, or visual, they're they're freaking out most of the day. Or they're keeping it together, and that's why you get them home. They're like, you know, like crazy happening. Yes? How did you help your child understand that they have autism? Because they emotionally regulate, and you are still learning to emotionally regulate, and that meltdown. For them or for you? For both. <laughs> and just, you yeah. want to support them, but holy you have a partner that works with you in the in the thing, and you hit those moments, you tap out. Just like in a marriage, in a marriage, 
you can't not see this again. That's okay. Because what you're also demonstrating is not that you don't want to be near that kid, but that you need a friend. What and you, you express it. You though, and it's like we gotta. Me? Yeah, what if it's just me and just you, and we gotta figure the situation out, and it's gonna pass. But I would love it if this could pass sooner, so that you are okay, and eventually I am okay. Um. One, let the kid know that you're you're struggling a little bit too. It's okay because adults struggle, and then two, sit, sit. If they want to be, if they want to hold hands, hold hands. If they want to sit in your lap, sit in the lap. They just want to sit next to you or just be in the same room. Ask them. Ask them straight up. What would you like me to do right now for you? Not how can I help? They don't know what that means, but how, what can I do for you right now? And then maybe get, drink water. Do you want me to sit next to you quietly? It's just slowing that moment down and recognizing that you're struggling as well and let them know too. Because a lot of times if you elicit that empathy, and I find ADHDers to be some of the most empathic people I've met, because they're wired into the environment around them and how I'm doing. So they're very keen on people's emotion. And a lot of times they'll sense your emotion and they'll get emotional. And it's not them, it's you. And that's okay. That's where you say, what can I do for you? How can I help you in this moment if it needs to? But again, just sitting quietly, holding their hand, you know, whatever it might be. Basically be present. That's all. That's all. I found it. You mind if I answer? No. So I melt down. No. <laughs> and my children melt down. And often um, I have a teacher, so if I don't have a partner at that moment to like turn to, we're often tag team. And um, I have found the most important thing is just to use weird humor in that moment. Be like, we are both melting our faces off. Do you have a face? I still have a face, but I feel it melting. You know, like saying something, but also, um, um, doing a mirrored task. Somebody mentioned like body doubling in the mirror or whatever. So we're going to go get a glass of water. We're going to go yeah. something that is parallel to to that. And I absolutely cannot have this picked out. I am merely sharing the community. Um, but like saying we're going to take a deep breath because I'm just saying yes if this is true. I try to be really upfront when, when I'm struggling or when like I'm melting because it's not a secret, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, um, so all I can say is just in experience, like I will just hear the echoes, like the sensory, I can hear the last three things I've said and they're just shaking in my bed or like, you know, and I can feel it melting. And in my better moments, I will say, let's do something because it shows in retrospect, it shows them that we're still in this together, even though we're melty and we're going to come back to it right. and it, but we're going to do this side quest first. And so, I don't know if that's helpful. Or no, that's wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, the key is, I mean, it is being in touch with how you're, I mean, I, I, I joke that I'm a psychologist, but I, I'm, I'm not good with myself. I'm not. I get angry. I blow up. I mean. And my 16-year-old, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm having a bad day. I get tired. I mean, I do. And you just acknowledge the things that are going on. And sometimes you can't help. And that's okay, too. You can say, right now, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to sit next to you quietly. You know, if it's your child, it's a little bit differently. But that works as well. But I do, again, what I liked is we are going to get, especially if you are in a better spot, that means it's a team. But, the, but it means it's a team effort. And you're, and again, Anna could probably recognize that you're helping. Again, she's smart like you. So she probably felt that you were helping her, even though she's not feeling that great. And that we work. So let's, let's get, you know, those kind of, thank you. Um, 
again, strengths and weaknesses. As I said, they, they receive so many negative reactions and responses in a day. Part of it that an adhd -er works with is the anxiety of not being the best. And that anxiety will flare their ADHD symptoms through the roof. They're, they're hand in hand, ADHD and anxiety. I've yet to meet an adhd -er that does not have anxiety riding along with them. And because they have ADHD, even when they're not expressing their symptoms for ADHD, their anxiety looks like ADHD. And it's very difficult, that stubbornness, that almost oppositional side of it. If it's oppositional, if it comes out oppositional, not argumentative, but oppositional, it's their anxiety in that moment. Because they do not know what the other side of yes looks like. They do not know the other side of I will looks like. It's a black void of scary creatures. And so they're like, no, 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 no. And ADHDers, you know, the flare up, they'll probably, if they're hyper, their hyperactivity will skyrocket, impulsivity, you know, all those things, if they're feeling anxiety. Um, and just like you're talking about talking with Annika, and ex expectations, expectations are a human vanity because we expect so much all the time. We expect to be happy all the time. We expect it to work out all the time. We expect, we expect, expect. Now, expectations are wrapped up in depression, anxiety, ADHD, all those things. So what happens is we elevate our expectations. And when they don't match, you're disappointed. And for ADHDers, that's where emotional reactivity comes out. And because it just seems like a little thing for you, it's a huge thing for them. Um, I had a boy the other day. Um, and it was great because he walked it through himself, which I was very proud of him. He, he blew up at his mom. He had to go to swimming and he freaked out, had a big explosion. But he called out. and he said, mom, it's not about swimming. That gift that I got for myself for my birthday, there's a little piece and I lost it and I couldn't find it. And I was freaking out. So my anxiety over that, he said this to her, my anxiety over that made me a beast and I'm sorry. And I was like, Ethan, my man. <laughs> so that's what happens. So it's difficult, again, what's leading the way? ADHD is always going to be present. What's the circumstances? Check in. Again, if one of your child, if they're having a moment and you're not, but you can you have a lucid moment and say, hey, what's up? Is something going on? Now, it could be in that acute moment, but it could have been, well, I'm worried about my dog because when we left this morning, he threw up and he's been sick. Again, where I find ADHDers, they, you think they don't hear and see everything. They hear, see, feel, know everything. <laughs> and so they're present in almost everything. Yes. And I feel like the difference, again, between ADHD and autism there. Yes. They're both in my house. Is that the ADHD will, will melt down and then know exactly why, why? it melted down. And ADHD. Whereas the autism in my house has absolutely no clue about their feelings. They don't get back to their feelings. Hmm. And they also have very little patience hmm. for the emotionalness oh, of right. the ADHD. Yeah. Which is also what you yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I have jokes and uh, I got my autism diagnosis last year uh, that 
my feelings get delivered by transatlantic shipping. Yeah. Uh, for China? Yeah. He's 10 to 14 days. <laughs> there might be a crumpled box. <laughs> yes. It's not what you imagine. You're, ex you're expecting a bed and you got a pillow. And it's the wish.com version. Oh. <laughs> I was hoping maybe team did you get that? Factory China. Hey, ship emotions. No, that's yeah. right. No. Yeah, that, and that explains it so much. Because like a week later, I'll be like, Yes, oh, that's it. That's what was going yeah. on with that. But, but even then, you don't necessarily make the connection to right. the previous thing. But it's good that you recognize the, yeah. and that you're exactly right. And this is where people with, with dealing with people on the spectrum get frustrated because there's they feel like they're they're like sociopaths. There's no emotional level at all, but they are emotional. They do feel it and they do know it. But it's when it's stuff like that, they're like, whatever. It's in the way. I'm done with it now. Why do I need to speak to it? It's really what it comes down. Very efficient. Because if I linger in the past, a lot of people think ASDers don't linger in the past at all. Like they have a they have a difficult concept of past. And I, I that's a new thing that they're looking at. Because they're wondering why social connections are so difficult. And it's not the now, it's that we have a formulation of prior experiences in a social context, but we don't, we, they don't remember that. Just like how your emotional self, we don't have that context. Again, that's where they're discovering more and more about. When more money's flushed into it, which is happening, we'll get more and more. So, um, and again, understand and communicate expectations. If you are a teacher or working, have have expectations. Now, this is where I do like lists. I like visual. Like when I do my camps, I put up and I elicit from them. Should I interrupt you when you're telling me a story? No, you shouldn't. Well, that works here and for me as well. So you don't want no stories interrupted. Should we raise our? I have the boys and the girls that I work with come up with the rules with me. Of course, I direct it. But then those are our rules for the, for the room. And again, when they're, and I go, what are the rules? I can point. I don't have to lecture. I go, ah, we have all came up with these rules. Were you in here? Yeah, I was in here. Are you going to follow? Okay. Again, that's another thing of expectations on how we elicit that. Understand and listen to their, your children's expectations. Now, this is harder for a classroom because you have 30 different brains or 10 different brains going on. But at home, it's really good to have kids tell you what's on their mind to give you information about how they're experiencing. And again, it's really not about that moment, it's really training them for years and years of self-expression is what it comes down to. And because you have that connection with them, you can help that. You can help the ball roll down the hill for them in the idea of understanding how their emotions can get away from them real fast. Spilt melt glass. Like we had a 10 minute meltdown because my cup wasn't the cup I usually drink out of. Anybody ever that or had now? This cereal's too spiky. Um, all of those, is, but it's like, yeah, it's a new one. Sensory, it, it goes with food. Sensory uh, thing goes with food. But again, talking, this, this is where, where, again, when I talk to adults is we have a tendency. I knew, I knew I could do this because I'm drawn to ADHDers. When I see, when I'm like, I'm serious, I'll be walking. I, I did, I bugs my, I was walking through Birmingham Covington where my son went one time. And this kid came out and did a dance. I'm like, hey, man, why well, was a cool thing? I'm, like, I'm just drawn to it. But adults kind of go like this. That kid's weird. I don't know what's going on. Stop. Just say, hey, what's up? If they're wearing, I like your socks. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's no, when an 80 years noticed, 
you've got it's not that you've got them but you've got them because then they're like oh you saw that and it's a positive it's a positive, positive. Yeah. <laughs> no i mean i'm and that i i'm not again not me but just saying that that's how you work if a kid wears a different shirt the next day or star wars or star trek i was given oh star wars star trek's much better like, oh it's not and i'm like yes it is it just is and then we have a nice little disagreement about that. I'm like, yeah, you got you got physics that don't exist. We got physics that exist. Lightsabers never going to happen. Never. Sorry, you Star Warsers. Yes. Um, so just with myself, in the last year, I was diagnosed with ADHD syndrome, and I know that a lot of the symptoms downstream from each of those are similar. Yes. We're getting children like. Are strategies for each of those with similar symptoms like would that be the same strategy? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. My my belief is do it until it doesn't work. Again, what you have you have a blessing if you as an ADHDer, but if you're working with ADHDers, you're never really wrong. <laughs> no, I mean seriously. I mean it's it's not like you're experimenting on a rat, but look, you don't know what you're doing. And sometimes you have to say, I don't know what I'm doing, but let's try this. I've done that numerous times. Say, okay, this isn't working. I had an idea of a Lego build. We're going to do this. And they're all like, what? I'm like, this isn't working. Let's go outside. And then we talk about it outside. What can we do? What can we do? Again, talk. Adults don't look. And again, I don't know why. I don't know why when we look at kids that are different, <laughs> we have a tendency. Now, maybe this is a different problem. But many adults... Just see that kid's behavior and what they are versus what's going on. And that's why I guess where all of this is going is look to the look at that person. See them. See them. Keep moving. Okay. <laughs> what are you playing anyway? I gotta know what you're playing. Are you playing something? What are you playing? What's game? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> so I, I uh i get hooked in like plant versus zombies and clash of clans and clash royale minecraft all the good ones um all right can, can i ask a question yes um there's statistic about the twenty thousand negative things per day yes can you speak really briefly to the um projections like the dysphoria that comes oh yes comes that? from that yeah <laughs> yes rejection dysphoria is a thing and it it is close to trauma and it's over time what happens is ADHDers begin a story in their head that they're not worthy that they don't have the capacity to make friends nor will people like them. and so what it is it's a self-sabotage way of eliminating the possibility of a letdown so they will destroy relationships first off or do things to test people that are awful because they know they're going to reject. The other side of it is they won't try. Or they have a story in their head when they walk into a room, even though you're like, oh, they're, they're like, they're very unsure of their safety as a per not safety over, like a safety as a friend in those situations. Because they've been rejected over time. Again, there's 20,000 messages. That's an average. But it's not just from adults. It's from other kids. And that's really where it comes down from. That's why third grade is usually the linchpin grade because first and second, kindergarten, first, second, it's wheat. You know, it's like, hey, we're doing it. But third grade becomes more intensive with learning. 
And so what happens is the ADHD or that used to spin on the carpet and made everybody laugh can no longer do that because the other kids are like, you're, you're a little weird, <laughs> you know? And what happens is now shut up. The teacher's t- becomes that now it's like, move away from me. I don't want to sit next to you. Go away. You're annoying. You're annoying. Stop that. Quit it. Quit it. Stop. Sit down. Quiet. Don't stand up. What are you doing now? I can't believe you stood up. Why did you answer it that way? Don't blurt. Put your hand down. Why are you getting your snack? I didn't say snack. You're out of your seat again. No, you can't go to the bathroom. Why do you have to go to the bathroom again anyway? You should be sitting in your seat. Could you handle that? Over and over. What does it make you want to do? Just in that. You're like, I'm out. I'm out. I'm not going to try. Because I'm going to be rejected anyway. Yes. I went into first grade super confident. You know, I was great with my peers. My peers loved me. And that was a very good year for me. But there was a lot of change. New little brother. A whole lot of family stuff shifted. And going into second grade, I still liked funny. I still liked some of I had some interests. I had peer appropriate, but I also had interests that were much younger. And I started getting bullied. Hands down for it, and I was at this the school with these kids in a private school for like twelve years. And in third grade, I had the same teacher who I had first grade who just loved me and supported me. She told my mom, "Stephanie's a different kid. I don't know what she needs, but she is not the same first grader I had." And eventually, upper elementary or middle school, one of the kids when I said, "Stephanie is crying again," and that is one of the sharpest pains I have felt to this day. The again. And and I, again, and I decided from then on, I was not going to cry. I was not going to show weakness. And unless I really couldn't, my peers that I was with them through till the start of 11th grade, they barely saw me cry. I would just be angry and just feel yeah. really quiet and dark. And it was very bright and now it's very dark. Because it hurts so yeah. much. And that's rejection dysphoria right there. It's easier to shut down than try. And that's that is what happens. Um, they will ADHD ears, people on the spectrum. Spectrum more so, and it is the negative responses they get, but ADHD is more about the negative responses they get that they don't want to try. And again, if it's your being that's being judged, it hurts. Because a lot of these kids when they show you the thing that they do, they show you the Lego that they built, that's an identification of them, not a thing. Or what they're doing at that moment is a, is a representation of them, not a thing. And we often just crush it. Again, if I was 11 and that happened to me and this is my thing and this is a part of me and somebody did that and I'm 11, I'm, I'm not doing it again. I'm not. No, why would I? It hurt. It's identified. I worked on this and somebody said, what's your point? Okay, I'm done. You see how that works? The school project, things like that. Anyway, school. If you have kids, um, testing, I get questions. Is ADHD being overdiagnosed? No. It's being misdiagnosed. Yes. Um, if you want, a, it costs money, but you got if you're, you you can go to your doctor, you can go to your pediatrician, and the pediatrician will ask, 
Well, they'll give you the Connors and they'll give you the Woodcock Johnson. And the Connors is a test out, or I mean a test in, and the Woodcock Johnson a little bit better. But generally speaking, MDs will just give the Connors. They'll give you one, parents want the teachers one, and if the old child is old enough, um, a self one. But they test in. So there's a lot of things that look like ADHD will go on that test. So you have ADHD. Um, I, I highly recommend as a psychologist, go to a testing psychologist, get fully tested. If your insurance covers it, if it doesn't, still do it. <laughs> Figure it out because what's going to happen is if ADHD is present, if ASD is present, if anything is present, present there, the school can accommodate. Now, this gets all like the enabler thing and I was doing too much for it. No, we're not. Okay. When we have um, somebody with ADHD, they do need extra time to take the test. Some of them won't do it. And that's another thing that I have to work with ADHDers is like, if you have the accommodation, have the accommodation. Maybe you don't use it. It's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. And I've had high schoolers now who are in high school and they're like, thank God I have an, an hour and a half for this test because tests get bigger. And middle school is like, I don't need it. This is stupid. Now they're like, I'm going to the testing center to get this done because there's more in the game. So again, fully testing, getting a full diagnosis from a testing psychologist. It does work from your MD, it will, but it won't give you what you need. When you take a full test, oftentimes kids will get the WIPSI, the WISC, they'll get a bunch of other stuff that indicate spectrums of intelligence and abilities. So it's gonna give you a fuller idea of your child. And that's important. Because again, not all ADHDers reside in a higher level of IQ, but many do. And because with the comorbidity of the ADHD, I'm bored with this, this is stupid, to the intelligence goes, this is really stupid. What you're going to get is a kid that's going to be, if not taught well, condescending, aggravated, and angry most of the time. Because the world's, what well, you're stupid. And that's not a good place to be. So again, getting fully tested in that. Then you can present it to your school, depending on the severity, because anxiety is part of it. There's, there's different things. There's a 504 and an IEP. 504... Um, has teeth, but no strength. An IEP has it all, but it's very difficult to, to uh, get an IEP, which is an individ individualized education plan. And that is usually higher level. ASD, people on the spectrum probably will get those quicker. Um, but 504s, working with schools, that's a whole, that's another you don't want me here talking about school. Schools are very difficult. If you're a teacher, I love you because it's a hard job right now. And education is not serving our children. I don't don't believe it is. That's just my opinion. But if, if it were me and I was in high school now, I'd probably lose my mind. Um, the social context of what goes on and then the academics, it's, it's unpleasant. It really is. And so you have to help your kids understand how to navigate that and hopefully have a really good teacher, find the things that they like. Um, and do the things that they like. And like I said, I'm not making it up when I say the, the rigor is two weeks on, two weeks on, two weeks on, maybe three weeks on. They aren't going in depth. I've talked to everybody this week about the Palestinian-Israel issue. And they're talking like, are you talking about this in social studies or history? This is, this is going on now. No, we're not. Don't want to talk about it. One, they're afraid probably because it brings up too many things. But they're not learning. To me, at least. Again, that's my opinion. There's a lot of books that say it's true, too. If you are, anybody kids? No, you have kids, right? Anybody in high school that has kids? or Well, there's a book called Crazy Stressed that's out there. I'll have to look it up, but I'll get it. 
if you want to know what's going on, there's been a lot of research about how, how it's, how things are going for education and kids. And so it's based on the 10,000 hours, you know, Tiger Wood was like 10,000 hours. So the guy breaks into the book doing, okay, we have Tiger Woods who did 10,000 hours of golf. Then we have Roger Federer who was God gift to tennis, who won all that. You know, he didn't fully play tennis until he was 14. His mom was a tennis instructor and said, you're not playing tennis. Go play baseball, go play football, go play basketball, go do all these other things. And when you want to play tennis, we'll play tennis. So either way we look at it, but what they're finding though, that person who has a breadth of interests and abilities, they're seeing a much greater happiness quotient with their life and feelings of success. Not about money, they do make, but it's still that idea that they're much more comfortable in it. There's a phrase exploded around the internet a little bit, uh, but was Sisyphus happy? <laughs> and just the, oh yeah, mono focus on this one thing again right. and again and again. Uh, just the, uh, the other thing that comes to mind is Tiger Woods flamed out and Federer kept going basically until he got so old. Isn't he, he, loved, he loved tennis. Yeah. Tiger Woods did not. He did. He was good at it. He was good at it. For a while. Yeah. He didn't like his dad either. <laughs> they got a better relationship at the end. But again, you get to burnout. And we have, I mean, we have a lot of kids who are getting burned out now because you can't play a lot of sports. If you pick soccer, you got to join a club. You can't just play. I mean, everything's club, club, club now. We got ten, uh, yeah, it's hard. It's all tuned towards the... Uh, the oh yes, let's monofocus and go yeah. towards the gifted kid program rather than say okay, this part of you has developed faster. What parts have developed slower? Right. Let's work on some of that. Hey, yeah. Do you like that? This? Yeah, I had one. I didn't like it all that much. Yeah, it's uh, mine oh, it's yours. Do you? I I liked one of it. The only thing is, I I wish it snapped louder or felt harder. It's I too soft for me. I kind of wish I could get a quieter one. Kind of oh, yeah, yeah. Does, yeah. But I use it when I can. Yeah. Yes. That's a quick question about what to do with people who don't have to build. Because I'm, I'm a high school teacher. Oh, okay. I'm a lot of seniors, <laughs> which I love. And one kid, Omar, he's got a lot better, but he just blurts things out. And, he, and he's fully diagnosed, so yeah. we know that. So I already told him last year, he was in a group of 30, that, that it wasn't good. Because we'd say without thinking, and then we'd, we'd end up bully. Yeah. So now he's in a group of 15 with me, and it's awesome. He's more like a little family. So he get, he's throwing down a little bit? Well, and then, for instance, Friday, he still blurts things out, and then he realizes his point, he realizes afterwards. That he shouldn't have. But he's, oh. and sadly, then he's still... Afraid of his father, like he talks okay. to me like, "This is wrong. Are you going to tell my dad about it?" Uh, no, no, but you know what happened. I, I have a tip. Yes, please. Have him write down the answer. Have him write down the answer. Have him write it down, and then after the thing is over, go. How many did you get right? How many did you get right? You know, let's see how many you got right. Make it. I know he's in high school, but maybe you make it a, like reward a little bit. Like if you get these number right, I know you get a break or something. Oh no, no, no he's, he's offending all the classmates. Yeah, I know by blurt. Yeah. What I'm saying is, instead of blurting, yeah. give him a piece of paper and say, oh my, look. And he knows that he's, he's bothering. Yeah, like, don't call him. Right. Yeah. But just say, hey, look, here's an idea. Because what you can say is, look, not about the other kids. Like, 
you know, I like your answers, but when I'm trying to teach, it stops me for a moment. Why don't you write your answer down right and keep it for me, and then we'll check it in after class. Because it sounds like you're getting most of the things right that I'm saying. Again, fluff it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, nice right. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, wait, is, are you saying he's saying offensive things? Well, that's what I meant. Like, yeah, yeah. he doesn't grow up to. Oh, oh okay. he says actual offensive. No, no, no. It's just it's, it's secretly, sometimes they are funny. Like, okay. It's clever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Like, I mentioned something about very bright people in such and such a country. Yeah. They just says, oh, it's so so. He's not talking about you, know. Oh yeah. And then they're like, oh, Omar. And then it's like, oh, class, I got Omar. <laughs> then he doesn't even know. That yeah, that's a tougher one because he's older. Um, <laughs> maybe because right now when he shoots. Yeah, let me. <laughs> no, and that might be, might be one of those things. I mean, look. It's it's tough because there's some things that are funny and he's, and again I don't know if he's friends with these people that no, he can say those. Exactly. See that's the problem yeah, too is that he's sitting yeah. in a mark where he could say those things if it was friends but yeah. they're not. Like that was funny. He's like he's not talking about you. I was like, <laughs> oh, of course yeah. other kids laugh, but you're like the other kids are like. Let me think on that. I, I mean, if that's it, I I need to process that. Okay, and we're probably done. Yeah, we have about 10 minutes left in our time, so you have a feedback form to fill that out for us. Just so we have, oh, sorry, I forgot the table that's here from. Um, you have extra to the table, which um, Also, in speaking on neurodivergent children, our child care workers upstairs would love oh, it if you immediately went up and that was your children. <laughs> we are going to. Oh, okay. Okay. So just so they have a minute. Yeah, I got it, got it. Breathe. Keep going, but at three well, o'clock, everybody upstairs could be really waiting for you. Yeah. So <laughs> if you could at least gather your children, you can come back down. We do have Edge coming in tonight, so um, you can linger, but you can One see day. him coming up and starting to set up and do Ship yourself out. Yeah. And then lastly, this is something I put up to the end because we've gone through all the bad stuff. Because it is, it is, it's hard being neurodivergent. I have several people who have struggled in their lives until they get recognized. 